0: We We have some young people that are going to be handing out some special invitations to you right now. And if you're getting ready to take your children to junior worship, please get one of these cards on your way out. I'll explain them to you in a minute. We want everybody to get one of these cards. And speaking of junior worship, we want to let all of our children and their parents ages 4 through 3rd grade, you make your way in that direction to uh, our junior worship, then we'll be back here after you drop your kids off. And while they're doing that, everybody else take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22, Luke 22. And as you're turning your Bibles there, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship to God that we partake of, that we're a part of, and participate in every single Week. This is our special offering that we bring before the Lord, and we have four ways we want to make this offering available to you. You can mail a check to our church address, you can give an automatic draft through your bank, which is an easy way to have it automatically done if you have a bad memory, or you can go online to our website on the home page. There's a little uh, button there that says um, Give. Click on that, follow the directions. Or today, if you're with us in our assembly in person, you can drop off your contribution in the box that is on. Uh, That table right there in the middle. And to those of you who are not with us in person, but you're with us in live stream, we are absolutely honored, humbled, and delighted to have you here. And want to encourage you right now, if you haven't done so, go ahead and be getting your bread and your cup, some type of emblems that you can have, because we're going to have a special communion service today, and we want you to to certainly be a part of that. Okay, and if you haven't gotten a card, did anybody not get one of these cards. Everybody get one. Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Everybody's got one. So we got one back in the back here. Uh, Jean-Pierre and Louise got a card. So listen, let me tell you about these cards. You know... (laughs) On uh, one of the Sundays, there's like a couple of Sundays every year that more people come to church, like if they're never going to come to church ever, it's going to be probably Christmas time or Easter. And so we want to take advantage of this when people are more open and receptive to coming to church than other times. We want to encourage you to invite someone or to invite some ones, as a matter of fact. And so we've given you these particular cards as a, as a tool to help you invite someone to come with you two weeks, of course, Invite them every Sunday, but on, on Easter Sunday, which is the 17th of April, I want to encourage you to think of somebody. Be praying over this card. Be praying that someone God will lead you to that you can invite or just step up and be bold and hand it to them and trust that's the person, wherever they may be. On the flip side of that card, there's also a walk with Jesus, our, our resurrection celebration Saturday. It's this Saturday is a great opportunity for children and for families, you can use this card as well to invite people to that as well, and listen you're only getting one card, and if you're going well Eddie, I want to be a little bit bolder than just inviting one person, there are more cards sitting on the table right there if you want to get more cards, and if you're still, if we run out, just contact Sarah in the office, and she will just be absolutely delighted to make you hundreds of them just contact her <laughs> so Luke chapter 22, and I guess it's going to be in two weeks, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on on Easter Sunday, and so today we decided we want to have a a special communion service to, to set our sights and to set our hearts and prepare our minds for that that journey of Jesus from the, the cross to the, to the tomb. And I want to really, I really at the empty tomb, I really want to encourage you over the next two weeks, spend some time in the last parts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's really the heart. The, the most of the gospels that is written, it's about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I want to really encourage you to spend some time over the next two weeks Reading about Jesus, starting maybe at his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and then moving into uh, the story of uh, the upper room discourse in the Gospel of John, and and Jesus' um, last supper, which we'll talk about today, and then you look at his prayer and spend some time in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his his arrest and his trial and his death and his burial and his resurrection. I'm convinced of this, if you'll just spend the next two weeks praying through those passages, reading them, and I think it'll really make a difference in in getting the most out of the celebration of his resurrection in two weeks. So I want us to start this journey from the cross to the tomb today, I want us to, to look at this, this communion that we talk about, this the Last Supper. And when I say the words Last Supper, I'm going to guess maybe the first picture that comes to the mind is the picture that Leonardo da Vinci painted of, of the Last Supper. We probably all think about that particular picture, but depending upon where you're from, maybe when you hear the word Last Supper, maybe you have a different idea. If you're from the Deep South, maybe this is the idea of, of what you're thinking the Last Supper looked like or, or should have looked like. Or if you're like Karen and me who'd lived in Louisiana for many years, maybe if you're from Louisiana, this is the idea of what you think of when you think of the Last Supper. A beautiful, beautiful crawfish boil, right? I mean, how could it not be there? It had to have been there. So maybe we have all kinds of different ideas of what the Last Supper looked like, but really the most important picture we need to let the Holy Spirit draw that he does for us, it's here in Luke chapter 22 in verses 1 through, I believe we're going to read, 23. And so I want to read this. I want us to talk a little bit about this as we prepare to go to the tables today for communion. So would you take your Bibles and look in chapter 22 in verse 1. Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So that sets the stage for the Lord's Supper. Isn't that strange? Verse Seven, "'Then the day, then came the day of unleavened bread "'on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. "'Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, "'Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do, you want, "'Where do you want us to prepare for it?' they asked. "'He replied, "'As you enter the city, "'a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. "'Follow him to the house that he enters "'and say to the owner of the house, "'The teacher asked, "'Where is the guest room "'where I may eat the Passover with my disciples?' He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it, drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is, the, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays me. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Now, I'm not going to, but I could spend about an hour talking about, well, what night is this and what meal is this? There's a lot of debate about that. So I'm just going to play my hand and tell you I believe this is Thursday night and I believe this is the Passover meal. Not enough time to go into details about that. I know there's some disagreement on that. I believe it's extremely clear, though, that this is the night before Jesus' execution. In fact, that a, that's a, could be a stronger word for that. So, I want you just to think about this for a minute. What would be going on with you if tomorrow you were going to be killed? What's going to happen tonight? How are you going to sleep tonight? What are gonna be the thoughts and the feelings that are gonna be racing through your heart and racing through your head? And you gotta understand that it's not gonna be some lethal injection where the basic only pain that you're gonna feel is a little prick in the arm, and that's all the pain that you're gonna feel. This is this is going to be an incredibly humiliating experience. You're gonna be arrested, you're gonna be taken to trial. You're going to be falsely accused of things you did not do. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be humiliated. You're going to be tortured. You're going to be nailed to a cross. You're going to be lifted up on that cross. And you're going to be six hours suffering, desperately trying to breathe in front of crowds of people, likely naked, completely. There's humiliation. Or if not naked, then then in your underwear. Though he is God we have to remember he is man and he felt this in every way that you would feel it there are some phrases here in this story that stood out to me in verse 15 Jesus says i have eagerly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer and i think that one stuck out to me because perhaps i'm just not so spiritually spiritual um But I I wouldn't have been eagerly desiring this moment. I would have certainly been dreading it. Now, we call this the, the last supper. So, this is the night. This is your last night. It's tonight. And you can choose whatever it is you want to eat. What would you choose? Talk about that in your life groups. I wrote down my order here. I would start out with a, a sampler appetizer platter. It would, it would have a cup of gumbo just with crab meat. and I'm, My goal is to get you really hungry. With crab meat and shrimp and a really dark root. Those of you that are with us from Louisiana, you know what I'm talking about. I love buffalo wings. You got to have some buffalo wings on on the platter. And I absolutely love char-grilled oysters. Now you're going gross. Oysters on my last night. Try char-grilled oysters. Absolutely amazing. Bill could make you some. Drago's. Drago's oysters. I think I'd toss in that appetizer platter a few onion rings. I love onion rings with salt and pepper on them. So after I have my appetizer platter, then I would go for my main course. And my main course would have, certainly, my favorite restaurant has its favorite dish. And I know it's gross in some of y'all. It's called Oyster's Lagniappe. It's, it's unbelievable. Go to Louisiana. I'll take you there. You pay for it. and It's really expensive, all right? But it, it, it is it's incredibly good. But I guess I wouldn't stop there. I would go ahead and go with what they call surf and turf. All right, so I'm gonna get me a bone in. I love bone in. my mean, so I'm gonna get me a, a bone in ribeye steak, juicy with butter melting over the top of it. And then I want to top that with a big pile of crispy fried shrimp. You can't you can't leave that out. A few smoked ribs. I love ribs. And maybe a couple of, I mean, you just can't overeat, right? A couple of pieces of, of uh, pepperoni pizza. <laughs> and I'm going to need for the ribeye. You've got to have a baked potato, right? So I'm going to have a baked potato, and it's going to have all the stuff, in, and it's going to have butter, and then it's going to have more butter, and butter is just going to be all over the place of that potato because they never in restaurants give you enough butter with your baked potato. And then for my chosen drink, for this meal, to kind of wash everything out, I'm going to have a chocolate malted milkshake. And then after my appetizer and after my main dish, I thought, well, what do you want for dessert? This is your last one. Well, I want another one of those dessert samplers. You know, we get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I, I, want, I want one or two, maybe two of, of Jeanette's cookies. Uh, I got to have two or three of, of Bill's truffles. Maybe four or five or six of those truffles. Yeah, I hadn't had them. Incredible. Uh, I want want a raspberry filled crispy cream donut. Oh, my goodness. They just opened up and they come out of the oven. It's got to be warm. And then, you've heard me talk about it before, I, I have to have a, a toasted cherry frosted Pop-Tart and it's got to have butter just, just all over it. People gross out when I say put butter on top of my Pop-Tarts. Never once in my life have I ever said, this has just got way too much butter. I mean, has anybody has anybody ever said that? But also for my appetizer, for my dessert sampler I want you to bring me a scoop of Josh and John's. You ever been there? Josh and John's Almond joy—that's the best. But just one scoop, because I also got to have a scoop of Baskin Robbins pralines and cream ice cream. So that's my appetizer. That's my main dish. That's my dessert sampler platter. And then at the end, the final course, I decided I want some melanta and some tums. <laughs> because the whole idea—the whole idea—is just to go into this this food coma. So you'd be going—you don't know what they're doing when they, they finally. Execute you. So while Jesus could have chosen anything he wanted, he chose this to be on the evening, I believe, of the Passover meal huge. If you're not familiar with this, this Passover meal was a a memorial meal. It was a commemoration, we would call it, of the time when centuries earlier, God's people, the Israelites, they were for 400 years enslaved in Egypt. And when they had this Passover meal, they remembered God delivering his people out of Egypt. And so in this meal that they would have had, that Jesus had with his disciples, they would have had lambs, certainly. And as they as they ate that lamb they would remember that it was our ancestors who were in Egypt each home slaughtered a lamb and each each home took that lamb and they put it on the doorpost of their homes they roasted the meat and they ate it and that night as God went through Egypt and took the life of the firstborn of every home in order to shake up the pharaoh to let the people go all homes who had the the blood on on the doorpost of the of their home he would pass over that home and the firstborn child would be born would be spared firstborn son would be be spared and so that was the lamb that was part of the Passover meal and then they had bread I left out bread for my meal I would Ted if you're with us make me a loaf of your good homemade bread bread Ted's still in the hospital I'm pretty sure but they would have unleavened bread, and the unleavened bread was to remind them of how the Israelites, they didn't have time to have yeast and let the leaven rise in the yeast bread. They were leaving the next day, so they needed to quickly make unleavened bread. That reminded of them of the speed at which they were going to, to leave Egypt. They would have bitter herbs with their Passover meal, and the bitter herbs reminded them of their bitter experience as slaves in Egypt. And it's odd but they even had salt water in the Passover meal. And that salt water represented two things. It represented their tears that they shed in Egypt as slaves. And it represented the salt water of the Red Sea that God brought them across as he delivered them out of Egypt. There was a dip they made for their bread and the dip was made of crushed apples and nuts and pomegranates and dates. And there were four cups of wine in their meal. And each of the four cups of wine, it had a symbolic meaning. And, and you read about the Passover, children were very much involved in the Passover. It wasn't like, let's send them away. They were right in the middle of it all. And that's why we want our children participating with us. That Our kids in junior worship are having communion as we are today as well. It was, it was a learning experience for the children so that's what Jesus chose for his last supper with his disciples the night before he was executed. I think it's still one thing that stood out to me twice, Luke records this, that Jesus gave thanks. In verse 17, we read, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. Verse 19, and he took bread... And gave thanks. So, so just, just think about that. The night before he's going to be slaughtered, brutally killed, he's expressing thanks. And again, maybe I'm just not that spiritual, but I don't think I would have been feeling so thankful that evening. I would have been struggling. And so this takes to a whole new level Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where he says, give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, this, this is it. And you're thinking, how do, you, how do you give thanks on that night? How do you eagerly desire to eat this meal that represents what's getting ready to happen to your body? Jesus realized that what he was about to undergo on the cross and all that led up, it was up to it. It was, it was God's plan of redemption. It was God's plan of redeeming mankind from sin. It was God's plan of fixing what all of us have broken in our lives by our sins. And that was fixed by him taking our sins to the cross that they may be forgiven. And so, as horrible as this is, as painful as this is, this this was, you could call it, the gospel, meaning good news for us. This Passover, which had been celebrated now for centuries and centuries and centuries, was now all coming together. It was coming to its completion. It was coming to its fulfillment. It was pointing to, it was symbolizing the reality of what Jesus, our Passover lamb, would do for us. And so it's, Luke says here that Jesus instructed Peter and John to go get the lamb, the lamb that they went to get, the lamb that they slaughtered, the, lamb, the, the blood that was taken to the temple, and the meat that was roasted as Jesus ate that lamb with his disciples that night. He realized that was him. It represented him. And so we read in verse 19 that he took the bread... He broke it and said, this is, my, this is my body. And that bread symbolized his body that would be sacrificed on the cross. He looked at that bread. And maybe he looked at his his body. Verse 19. In verse 20, we also read that he took the cup, the wine, and he said, This is my blood. The cup of wine that they drank, this this represented the blood of Jesus that was poured out from his body on the cross. But you know, there's something that that stood out to me. You know, you read it a million times and you don't notice it, but then you read it this time and that just hits you. In verse 19, this really stood out to me where it says, Jesus says, this is my body given for you. In verse 20 we read this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So unlike the meal that I would have chosen for me on my last night of my execution this was not for him. This is for you. Now To whom was he speaking originally when he said that? Well, the people that were there. Well, who was there? And so that makes me think, all right, so tonight, your last night, you got your favorite foods. Who is going to be there with you? And I'm guessing you would invite your family members. And I'm guessing you would invite the closest circle of of your friends. But it's interesting to note here that Jesus' family is not with him on his last night. But instead, his disciples. And, and I don't think this is necessarily a, an indication of something negative about his, his relationships with his biological family as much as it is indicating something positive about his familial relationships with his followers. Some of you know this firsthand. That sometimes it's, it's a beautiful thing that the relationships we have here in the church body are often stronger and closer than our biological family. And this actually reminds us of the, uh, of the words of Jesus when people came to him at one time and, and he was surrounded by people and he was teaching. They said, hey, your family is out there and they're looking for you. And Jesus says, my family, who is my family? And he pointed to those who were seated around him. And so he's He's with family. But then, you take a closer look at what Luke says of his family, these followers of his, and you kind of start wondering, why did you want them there? Here in in Luke, right after you keep reading where I left off, and the very next thing it says in verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. So here, here they are, in this incredibly somber moment, in anticipation of the death of Jesus. And they're not thinking about Jesus. They're arguing and bickering about who's the greatest, who's the Jesus' favorite. I'm just thinking, how insulting can that be to Jesus? Jesus. It's, I thought, you know, it's kind of like if, if a group of siblings were standing around their father who's still alive on his deathbed and he's dying and all they're doing is bickering and complaining and fighting about their inheritance and who's going to get what and who's going to get how much. You might just want to say, guys, just, just get out of here if that's the way you're going to be. But he didn't. And then you keep reading, and the way Luke tells this story, after that it then tells the story of Peter, loyal and faithful friend Peter, and how in a very short time he's going to say, I don't know who this guy Jesus is. Is that who you want in that meal? And then, did you not notice as I was reading it, it's like other than Jesus, the guy that gets most attention in this story is Judas. Judas is there. It's introduced the story is introduced in verses 1 through 6 the stage is set telling us Satan entered Judas Satan was there. He entered Judas and it talks about how Judas, Judas schemed with those who wanted to take his life for a price. And I'm thinking what are you doing with Judas there? He was planning on betraying and turning Jesus in to be arrested and Jesus knew that. And I'm just thinking, if, if one of my closest friends is going to turn me over to the police for a false accusation that's going to have me killed, I'm not sharing my truffles with him tonight, all right? There's no, here, you take half of this donut. Absolutely not. I don't want him there. But not only, listen, not only was Judas there, but read John's description. It's expanded of this moment. Jesus washed Judas' feet in this moment and all of the disciples' feet. And at meals such as this, I think it's helpful to know you didn't got everybody to sit down wherever you want to. No, there was assigned seating at a meal like this. The host made the assignments, and to, to be able to sit next to the host was wow, that's a big honor. Where was Judas seated in the Last Supper? Do you know how, how Jesus, in, in the Gospel of John, John gives you some personal detail, how John said to Jesus, who are you talking about? Who's the one that's going to betray you, betray you, Jesus? And Jesus says, the one with whom I depended on your translation, sop the bread, dip the bread, and hand it to, that's going to be the one. Well, the one you would hand the bread to would be the one that you're sitting next to. It's most likely G- Judas was seated next to Jesus at a place of honor. Jesus knew what he was up to, right? He knew what he was doing, what he was going to do, and what he would do, but even still, he extends his grace and his love. And so when Jesus at this meal took the bread and the cup and he said, this is for you. I can imagine his eyes meeting Judas' eyes because it was also for Judas. And it was also for you. You see, Jesus knows what you've done. He does everything. Everything. And he knows what's going on right now. And he knows what you will do in the days to come. But in spite of that, and because of that, he offers to you his body in the symbol of the bread. He offers to you his his blood in the symbol of the cup. This, this this is for you. And so we continue, we're connecting with something. We continue a memorial meal that our ancestors of faith began centuries and centuries ago in Egypt. That all came together in Christ. And then centuries and centuries following that has been a meal that has been continued by believers in Jesus as the Passover was fulfilled now in what we call the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, our time of communion. And as you see, they were reclining at a table. Because they had a table, we, we're going to invite you in a moment to come to these tables to, to share in this celebration of communion, to take the emblems of the bread and the cup. And if for some particular health concern, it's best for you not to go to the tables. We certainly respect that. There uh, are, are cups that are available. There are those little kits, you know, that we typically use that are on the table back there. You can get one of those for yourself. And in this time of communion, it wasn't Jesus saying, everybody get your stuff and just look down. No, it, it was it was interactive with Jesus and the disciples. So I want to encourage you, let this be a meet and greet. Let this be a time of of hugging and praying together don't just go and get the communion by yourself embrace someone and, and pray with them our shepherds are here where are our shepherds would you guys stand so that that you can be seen we got one here we got two here we got one here we got one here these guys you can be seated I just want you to see their their hands and faces they're here uh, to pray with you or if there's somebody you know that needs your prayers and there's a lot of us here that need prayers today. Let, let, let's do that together. So what I want us to do now is I want us just to go into a time of quiet reflection. I'm going to ask that you would stand and just I'm allow you for a brief moment to pray quietly before we go for communion. We'll worship together with a song and then I'll say a prayer and I'll release you to the tables. Let's bow before the Lord. It's hard to to have adequate words to know how to express to you what we're going to experience now and what this bread and this cup represents. We come to you and we give thanks. We come to you to celebrate and we come to you to remember. We come to you to thank you for the forgiveness that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ and we come to thank you for the way that the cross brings us together. And communion is family. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the East Side Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at Eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.